0: Come on, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Come on, lift up holy hands without wrath, without doubting. Come on, lift those hands unto the Lord. Mm, I love you, Jesus. Come on, give them the sacrifice of praise. It is the fruit of your lips. Come on, that's the sacrifice we are to bring here right now. Let that sound flow. From the abundance of the heart, let the mouth speak right now. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. I uh, come on your own voice. Don't look at me right now. I want you to cut out your surroundings. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Come on with the absence of wrath and with the presence of faith. Uh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I love you, God. 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 Hiana, Same de Manda Mate Rekondo Ramarate. Send no non no ne manane ananade anamanade or on do re anaran re Woo Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you Jesus, I love you Jesus, I love you Jesus, I love, come on have you been forgiven a little? Have you only been forgiven a little? Come on that's just a little praise, that's just a little thanksgiving, have you been just forgiven a little? Or were you going to hell? I was going to hell, I was going to hell, God I love you, I want to give you a sacrifice of praise. I want my praise to cost me something right now, God. Ha, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus I- mm. The Bible declares that the Lord saved His people with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That language indicates that God put effort into it. The least we can do is put a little effort into thanking Him. I wonder if we can reach our hand out to Him now. That same hand, that mighty hand, and that outstretched arm, would you lift holy hands without wrath and doubting and extend them towards the King and just say thank you come on, it is the will of God for us to bring an offering of thanksgiving, thank you Jesus for your mercy, thank you Jesus for your grace, thank you Jesus for your long suffering, I ought not to be here right now, I ought not to have breath in my lungs, I ought not be able to utter your name Lord right now, but Jesus your mercy was rich toward me, God your loving kindness, it is better than life I magnify you I glorify you, I worship you he arama tere to domasa he amaraterama rama manade onomono nani era rara hey m mm. handata satata tata 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 satata meru torundure andarare aramarara era going to reach for the word of the Lord, and as you're reaching for your Bibles and we get into the word, I do want to say thank you for the joy, the delight, the privilege to be with you all here at this conference and with this host church, Truth Church, and give honor to the pastor and the congregation here for all the labor the work the sacrifice that you have put into this i love pastor gilbert i love his wife his family they are amazing people there's a number of folks in this room that i recognize and i tried to caution myself before i start naming names because someone's left out and someone's offended but there are a few names i love pastor gore and uh, brother burns Brother drew galloway pastor houston His family, his daughter with him. There's a number of other folks here I've seen, but God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I wish my family could be with me, but it is a very quick turnaround. And I don't know if I have a picture of my family on them. I always love to introduce my family. They are so important to me. My son Noah is 12 years old. Grace is 10 years old. Eden, she is 7 years old. That little furry rat, we uh, call him Stimmy, short for Stimulus Check, and so. And my wife, Jordan, this coming December, we will be married 18 years, Uh, I love her. And I say this every time, everywhere I go, not because it is vain repetition, flattery it is just the truth one of the near audible voice of God moments I've ever had was when the Lord spoke to me and said if it was not for your wife's covering you'd be in hell right now and so if you are here and you are a person that is single with the hope of one day getting married serving the Lord is the most important decision who you're gonna serve the Lord with is your next most important decision You're going to want to be connected to somebody that is connected to God. I love my wife. We're going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 17. Joshua, chapter 17, verses 14 through 16. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say woman. The children of Joseph, this is talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. The context of this portion of Scripture we are now past the 10 plagues of Egypt. We are past the deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt. We are past the leadership of Moses. Joshua is now the leader, and he has crossed that Jordan River. They have conquered much land, and there is still territory being taken, and one of the 12 tribes of Israel, Joseph, comes to Joshua. Joseph's tribe is comprised of Ephraim and Manasseh, and they say to Joshua, why have you given me but one lot, and you've only given me one portion to inherit? Don't you see I am a great people? Someone say, I am great. great. I'm a great people. For as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto, Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people. You say you're great. I reply, if you be great. Then get up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land. Someone say the land. The perizzites and of the giants. If Mount Ephraim's too narrow for you, it's too small. The children of Joseph reply again, the hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley they have chariots of iron both they who are of bashan and her towns and they who are of the valley of jezreel i want to speak just for the next few moments this evening about if thou be great if thou be great god i pray your will be done tonight not by my might not by my power but by the spirit of the living god Lord, open up the windows of heaven, roll back the roof of this church and fixate a ladder between heaven and earth. I pray that the angels of God would ascend and descend upon this congregation. Jesus, I pray this is not a passing of time, but Lord, I pray this would be a monumental moment, Lord. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come. I pray that your will would be done. In the name of Jesus, you are God and you are good. You are amazing. You are incredible. And Lord, we live in a day, an hour of gross darkness. Jesus, I pray your light would pierce the darkness tonight. I pray truth would pierce the darkness tonight. I pray a spirit of revelation would sweep into this room and scales would come off of eyes and ears would open, God. And let there be a heart to perceive, a mind to comprehend the breadth, the depth, the love of God. I praise you. I magnify you. In advance, I thank you, Jesus. In advance, I praise you, Jesus. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and before you're seated poke him in the eye and say we walk by faith not by sight (laughs) If thou be great if thou be great I focus on verse 14 when the children of Joseph speak to Joshua and they say you've only given us one lot you've only given us one portion to inherit do you not see I am a great people people talk I don't know if we talk more or less than any hour of history but I believe that the words that are spoken are magnified and multiplied, thanks or no thanks, to modern-day technology. Statements go out constantly. There is a tsunami. There is a tidal wave. There is just a torrential downpour of statements day in and day out that not only we make or those around us make, but in this information age that is so easily accessible through whatever device you carry and you have constantly we hear statements constantly information is dispensed and there are moments where it's very inspirational statements that are made there are things that are provocative there's a variety of statements that get thrown out there And because of the magnitude of words that carry forth day in and day out, nobody really has enough time to fact check them. Is that statement actually true? I don't know if you've ever met a know-it-all before. If You are sitting by one, do not do anything, don't point them out. They already know you know, because they know it all. And I'm telling you, I, I, have been, I have been in awe of certain individuals that just seem to embody loads of information about every subject matter out there. They, they, they know what the material of this chair was made in, the assembly line that it went th- through and how it was made and the, where the, the, the beginnings of the wood was fabricated. And then they can begin to talk to you about the soundboard back there. Well, that soundboard's really not the best soundboard. <laughs> and then they can proceed to tell you about the lighting here say, well, you know, actually, it's putting out this many BTUs just non-stop information and I have been swept away in awe of people like that I don't know if they still have these things called bathroom readers but it was something when I was your age it would be sometimes in people's facilities and just full of information and I have met people that basically it's like a walking bathroom reader they know all these facts but I, 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 I've leaned heavily on people that would make such claims about everything with such persuasion and confidence. And then share what they said to someone else and they would say, that's not true. <laughs> like, what do you mean it's not true? So-and-so said it. Well, they're wrong. How dare you? and so i pull up my piece of information i fact check and also i'm like whoa he was wrong anyone know what i'm talking about there's people that think they know everything and the way they say it with such confidence and conviction causes us to believe we give them the benefit of the doubt But the truth is we don't have time to fact check everything, but there are times that you do need to slow down and check that information that is coming out of someone's mouth, especially when it comes to doctrine, especially when it comes to the Bible. Is that really the truth? Because. This is the forever settled word of God, for by his word we will be justified, by his word we will be condemned, we will be judged by every word here. We should fact check. And in this moment, the children of Israel make an audacious claim to Joshua. They say, we are a great people. Well, how about we fact check that statement? And you look at the census of Numbers chapter 26, The two tribes that make up Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh combined were not all that much more in number than the single tribe of Judah. The children of Joseph, you will see so many statements throughout scripture, I don't have time to go through the book of Judges and 2 Samuel, 2 Chronicles, but they they have such an arrogant spirit at times and they have such a jealous spirit at other times. And they make such crazy claims about how great they are and what they are entitled and what they deserve. Additionally, if you look at a map and you look at their complaint, you will see that their complaint is somewhat unreasonable. For if you take a survey of their territory, which is about 55 miles by 70 miles, was at least as large in proportion to their numbers as it was for any other tribe that had a piece of land. Not only that, but their land was some of the most fertile land out of the entirety of the promised land. And yet they say it's not enough. This is too narrow, this is too small, it's not good enough for us. Don't you know how great we are? In fact, another fun piece of information is that Joseph, Himself was from the tribe of Ephraim. And so maybe they thought, well, that's our cousin. So we'll just go to our leader. You know, we're related. Just give us a little deal on the side because we're blood. But to Joshua's credit, he does not acquiesce. He does not give in to the pressure of his family he didn't say well you know you're right we are family I think I'm just going to give you whatever it is that you ask but no Joshua rebukes them and he challenges them to commit deeds of valor he says if you really want that land there's some things you can do to obtain some more land if you would fight against the adversary if you would dispossess the canaanites then you will be able to double your portion of land and you can do whatever you want at your disposal but they thought they were great but the children of joseph their excuses were greater than their self-proclaimed greatness they felt entitled but they were not willing to battle And it is a problem in our day and age. It's not a new problem, but it's just a resurfaced problem with such a blessed generation such as yours. As we sit here in this beautifully remodeled sanctuary, had the wonderful, nice chairs and the beautiful platform and the nice instruments and the air conditioning and and these, these wide things. digital oversized band-aid we are blessed beyond measure and all of a sudden without even doing it intentionally we Keep demanding more and better and nicer and prettier and more comfortable. We want a bigger platform, a nicer venue because it doesn't take long in our hour to get tired of something that's trending that we pursue, we obtain, and now we move on. I'm thankful that you want more. I'm thankful that you want better. I'm thankful that you feel you are great, but there has to be a sense of a willingness to To battle for that which you desire. Paul warned the church. I should look at the time so I know when I started. 754. Let's say I started at 750. that work? There we go. There we go. Paul warned the church in Galatia. Chapter 6, verse 3. He says, look, if a person... Thinks themselves to be something. You really think you're something, huh? And you make that claim when really you're nothing. You are deceiving yourself. When you, when I, when anybody is driven to promotion, we are driven by a spirit of deception. When we have a drive to be... Put up and built up and get a place and a title and a position when that is a driving motive the motor behind that drive is a spirit of deception you are beginning to believe that you are something when indeed in fact you are nothing too many really think there's something but if you stack up the evidence you won't find much in the bank account it's important that we take some inventory every once in a while when we talk to God verse 4 it needs to say that or we need to hear it say to us let every person prove their own work we need to prove it bring forth fruit meat of ministry just like we need to bring forth free, fruit meat of repentance that's what John the Baptist said to those people coming we should bring forth fruit meat of ministry. If we begin to make demands and inquiries about greater for our ministry, I hope there is fruit to support such a desire or such a request or such a claim. Peter says it like this in 2nd 2 Peter 2:17, 2, they these are wells without water. I ask you to look inward here this evening, what is in your spiritual bank account i know we have fun in church i I mean i really do genuinely enjoy church but you can enjoy it to such a degree in which it becomes almost like a game just an activity a hobby an addictive drug if you will a feel-good environment to be a part of but i just want you to remember this this is not a game this is real this is spiritual and there is spiritual wickedness in high places and the weapons of our warfare they are not carnal but they are mighty through God we have to remember that everything you see is the smallest part of what's going on behind the scenes we are in a spiritual climate mm sons of Sceva they like to play church and they like the fact that they were related to the big shot as well. The sons of Sceva just like the children of Joseph that were related to their leader Joshua they thought they could be handed something and so they started to play the activity of going on in the surrounding scenes of the church and so they went to go pray for someone because they got inspired by some preacher talking about power and authority and mantles and impartations and so we're like yeah let's go ahead and do this Because it feels good in the moment and when they prayed for someone that was possessed by a devil They got to see how real church really is and that devil talked right back to them They said look I I know who Paul is. I know who Jesus is, but who are you? And if you're gonna challenge me, then let's go And the Bible says those demons overtook them and they fled outside their mind this is not a game I, I would to God that there would be a fresh awakening of the fear of God amongst his people I would to God that there would be an awe, a restoration of reverence in the things of the house of the Lord those mm. oh, sons of Skiva. They pulled out that check and they wrote a bad check and it came up insufficient funds or non-sufficient funds. And we will find out the hard way if we don't correct some things right now. It says in Proverbs chapter 25 verse 14, the person that boasts themselves of a false gift. It's like clouds in wind without rain. All I know is if I was living here, I'd want some rain. I I stepped outside, holy Hannah, I don't know how you all live down here, oh have mercy. The only thing that would keep me alive in Texas is going to that, what a Hutchins Barbecue, and what was the name of that town? We weren't in Frisco, McKinney. 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 I'm in the pulpit. I lie not. That was the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. But tonight, it's going to be better, right? Oh. <laughs> well, let's mess that up. But it was awesome. You'd want some rain. In South Dakota, where we live, it is extensive farmland Thousands of acres, and they live and die by the weather. And when we're in a drought, when there's a lack of moisture, they are looking, they are praying for some rain to come. And there's nothing worse than a teasing wind and a teasing cloud that brings a sense of hope, anticipation, and expectation saying, All right, we're gonna have harvest, it's gonna be all right, we're gonna be okay. But then the wind just blows on by and the cloud just kind of chuckles and moves on. Nothing more disappointing to a farmer and to a harvest. And so it is here in the day and age of the church. There is nothing more disappointing than when some man or woman of God or house of God begins to make such claims of having miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, supernatural. When we begin to claim that we have those things, I promise you we are in a weary and dry land and they get excited at the idea that maybe my cancer could be healed. Maybe my marriage can be fixed. Maybe my son can come back but when they come into the house of God or when you are there and you pray for them is there any rain is there any rain are you just blowing hot air are you just kind of an overcast but you never cast out that which they need cast it out God let there be an awakening Hi, hi. I echo the statements and the sentiments of Pastor Gilbert as he's just talking. I'm sick and tired of just good church, a nice service. I am tired of it because I have realized in 16 years in South Dakota, trying to dig out on a mission field, and it is a mission field in South Dakota. There are only seven churches spread hundreds of miles apart to your next nearest fellowship. There are more people in this room right now than there is in the constituency of the South Dakota district. I'm telling you, it's a whole nother world. And what's not going to bring about revival is just more fancy equipment and fancy things. I'm not against a spirit of excellence. Make sure you present the house of God as best as you possibly feel about God. But somewhere along the way, I don't want just some fog machine presenting a smoke without any real pillar of fire from the presence of God Lord I want the real thing we get excited about it but what happens when you get the microphone While you're in the audience, you're nice and quiet, or you might even be excited. Yeah. But you get the microphone, all of a sudden, like another spirit takes over. I yeah. It takes absolutely no effort to do what I just said right there. To stand and rally the base about miracle signs and what. It takes nothing to do that. It's easy to preach in this atmosphere and to elevate my voice and run around and sweat and spit and scream. It's easy to get you excited and after service people, like, oh, isn't that a great service? Isn't that great Oh, Brother Brown, oh my goodness. But did anything actually happen? It's, see, we're pumped up right here. But the moment you walk out that door. Again, I'm not attacking you. I'm trying to challenge you in the spirit. Because we're doing it right now. Like we're, 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 you're talking back to me. Yeah! That's right. That's right. But reality sets in when this is over. And is there anything? I, look, I, again, I, I'm done. I've been done a while because i live lived in South Dakota. I got frostbite. My feelings are gone. And I don't get all pumped up like some people do about going to conference and to another conference and another conference because it's, it's, it's so predictable. I already know what the attire is going to be. I already know, like, it look like people walking like, you know, wedding cakes. And you know, that's another subject matter. And the same preacher's grabbing the same microphone, doing the same nonsense. Someone's going to grab the microphone. I prophesy. Blah, 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 blah. Prophesy is not just some little buzzword we throw out there. Was it actually prophecy? Or is this that just something that gets people like, say, I prophesy, I prophesy, I prophesy? And no accountability. Nobody fact checks and follows up if that prophecy was true or not. And then that same one with that microphone prophesying over the big names in the room. Fire me. It's fine. Why, why don't they prophesy to the no-name person in the room? Why can't they put the microphone down and go to them privately and speak a word in their ear if re- thou really do be a prophet? Or is it about something else? Are you just a cloud and wind without rain coming up here to just kind of tease? People think they're great behind a pulpit. And people think they're great behind a solo. And they think they're great behind an instrument. But I want to see fruit. We can impress you. But that doesn't impress God. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your hands? Woo! it's easy to play games in a big room if you ever allowed the opportunity to be at a, a conference like this or a venue like general conference or youth congress and so say, I prophesy 500 people were just filled of cancer. Really? I want to see that same gift of that same person be in a home missions church with five people. You know why some people are afraid of missions work? Because they'll be exposed. Because you can't fake it in a small setting. You can try. I can say, oh. I perceive that somebody here has cancer. You got cancer? You got cancer? No. Hey, we don't got cancer. You're a liar. You know how I know this? I've been in a missions district. You can't fake nothing. You either got it or you don't. You really are a man of God or a woman of God or you're not. It's easy to prey upon the emotion of a big congregation gathered together. But I want you to know just because there's some shysters out there, some false prophets out there that does not negate the fact that there is the real thing. Do not settle for less. Do not settle for facade. Do not settle for fake. I promise you there is a God and he is powerful and he's looking for men and women your age before you get corrupted by the perverse in ministry I, I love Galatians 2:6. it says these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were whatever somewhat is it makes no matter to me God accepts no person man's person for they who seem to be somewhat in conference They added nothing to me. See, I, I, I want to release you. From this idea that if you start going to conference you go to general conference I'm not against general conference or if you go to youth Con, I'm not against youth Congress but if you go there with this motive that I just hope I get to see that preacher and I could I could touch the hem of his garment and he can give me his mantle and he could put his little hand on me look I'm telling you God does not accept any man's person there are those who walk at these conferences thinking they be somewhat whatever somewhat is it- it makes no matter to me I just want to get a hold of Jesus I want to get a hold of God I thank you for anyone here that has admiration and preachers in this movement that's a great hero to have but I'm telling you what you need comes from above what you need comes from God you don't need me you need Jesus and he's here right now and whatsoever you ask I promise you God is able to to give you exceeding abundantly. Wow. Oh, mama, would you lift your hands? Hama tomre kama mama ha. Woo, sama dere kara. Merro no ramamandi eranda Mendo ramanda rekama dare andu rokoma handare. Bunch, bunch of somewhat Bunch of somewhat at conference. Add nothing to Paul. Because Paul realized at conference, you know, to start new works actually takes more work than just coming to a conference. Acts 8-1 and verse 4 as well. Saul was consenting unto his death. At the time, there was a great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions, except the apostles. Everyone went except the ones who were sent. That's what apostle means, sent. Everyone went except those who were sent. Verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. It baffles my mind, I don't claim to have the answer of why everyone went except for the ones who were sent. But I mean, how many apostles do you need to run the Vatican? <laughs> now I understand they're, they're in great persecution. You got to protect the church. And there's a need for the mother church. There's a need for that Vatican. God bless it. But how many apostles need to be at the Vatican when Jesus commissioned them to go to the uttermost parts of the earth? I'm not a fool. I'm not foolish enough to attack Peter, James, and John. Don't misunderstand me. But I just wonder. Jerusalem provides some comfort and provision because you got an established church. And ministry from the Ivory Tower seems pretty nice sometimes. It gets quiet here sometimes, do not it? If you had a choice to be a part of a thriving, established work that has all the Sunday school classes, has all the youth ministry, has the hyphen ministry, yeah, sure, you yeah, bet you not. don't you know, isn't that hard to leave. Especially if you're a family or an individual that wants your family to thrive in a healthy environment. I want my children in a healthy environment. So, so it's, it's, it's difficult to pull away from that. But God called them to go out. Not that God's anti-mass gatherings... We need to have as much mass gatherings as possible. But somewhere along the way, there's got to be fresh soil that is cracked open. That somebody says, look, church here is great, but I feel a call to be sent. I feel a call to go forth. I hear the words of Jesus reverberating through my mind right now to go into all the world, to go into all of Dallas, to go into all of Texas. I've got to obey. That heavenly vision. Uh-huh. There are some that desire prominence over obedience, but obedience is better than prominence. People want apostolic power, but not apostolic service. To be a servant is powerful. Well, brother Brown I, I believe I have a servant's heart I heard an elder one time say look if you ever want to find out if you really have a servant's heart let someone treat you like a servant <laughs> oh highfalutin you're the big evangelist out there you're 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 the most powerful preacher in your youth group you you're feeling pretty good about yourself I'm a servant of God hey go go clean that I'm a servant of God. Second Peter 2.5. It's 8.16. You well, we'll further, yeah. oral, okay? Second Peter 2.5. Spared not the old world, but saved Noah. The man who was a preacher of righteousness. The man who found grace in the eyes of God. Noah, the eighth person. A preacher of righteousness was the eighth person. The first to find grace is the last to be saved. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. The first preacher was the eighth saved. The eighth person built the ark. The eighth person preached righteousness to a lost in dying world. I ask this precious generation, where is the eighth person? Are we so obsessed with being first? And best and greatest, God gave grace to someone that was so passionate about others getting on that boat. Come on, mama. I want you on that boat. Come on, son, I want you on that boat. He made sure everyone else got on first. That I'm not that he didn't want to be saved, but he was driven with a burden for the loss that he'll put them first and himself last. Paul said it like this in Romans 9 3. I wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. Paul said if I had the wherewithal, if I could somehow make a transaction of my soul for their soul. I would like to see a nation spared if that meant me being lost. He's not advocating for the lostness of your soul, but he's advocating for the lostness of your pride and interest and self. I can cannot live in the will of God, obsessed with self, full of selfishness, full of pride, driven with a motive to be the best preacher and the most famous singer. God, help us in this hour. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Where's the eighth person in this room? Mm. I see it time and time again. I. I God sovereignly has allowed a window to be open for eight years in our life. Never handed out a card, never called anyone, never promoted myself. God just sovereignly has put it on people's hearts for me to go places. And I've seen a lot in eight years. And there's some things that really alarm me. And I'm not a chicken little, you know, running around the skies, following the UPC, going to hell in a not I'm not that person. But I do try to be that person on the wall and see things that need to be addressed and talked about. And there is an unintended consequence of social media upon this generation because we promote events and I think we need to promote them. I believe it with all my heart. But you see these pictures of faces of preachers and worship leaders on there. And you begin to identify with that as success power, and that becomes your pursuit and desire when you think of the call of God being the one on the conference floor And being the one with the microphone and the one at that venue nothing against those venues and nothing against those speakers But I want you to understand that is not defined success. That is not defined success (laughs) And all of a sudden we'll have a great altar call about you know, the call of God and people flood the altar. And I believe God's calling in mass your generation. And then after service, these young people come up to me. Brother Brown, Brother Brown, Brother Brown. I, I, I was praying and all of a sudden I feel like I seen a vision. And in that vision, I was standing in this big stadium, in this big stage. And I had this microphone and I'm standing at this like lectern and i'm preaching and there's thousands of people there and they're coming what do you think that means really i'm not saying i heard that once or twice i'm not like i lost count of how many times you know what i haven't heard yet brother brown brother brown yeah. i was praying in the altar as he talked about the call of god and, and all of a sudden i feel like i had a vision i I don't know what else to call it, but I was there and I was in this living room and it was it wasn't the cleanest. It wasn't the nicest. And I was sitting there and there was just one person there and I had a Bible open. What do you think that means? Where is that call? Because the two are the same. It's opening the word of God to communicate the doctrine to a lost soul but why is one more appealing than the other? it's because there's an ulterior motive God, liberate your generation from that motive to be seen you got to be the eighth person you got to get some soul one at a time on that ark one at a time on that it's more meaningful when you know that soul on the ark than you distant preaching to a sea of faces Oh, there's nothing like a home Bible study. There's nothing like one-on-one. I got to hurry up. Joshua, 1947. May we be like the tribe of Dan if you have a need for more. It says the coast, the children of Dan went out. The coast was too little for them. Joshua, the land's too little. Is that what the Dan did? Oh, they went to go fight. And they took it. And they smote it with the edge of the sword. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. The land was too small. The enemy was too big. But the children of Dan did not complain. They conquered. The children of Joseph said they were great. The land was small, but the giants were too big. They got nothing. David was too small, fought a giant who was too big, took the head of that giant to Saul and became the head of soldiers. You want the authority of David? Start bringing the heads of some giants before your leadership. Now you are in a service and you got the call of God. Hallelujah. But before you start saying, well, I mean, pastor never uses me. He's always the one in the pulpit, you know, whatever. Why don't you bring some trophies and say, Pastor, we've got some new territory and when we start coming with fruit meat of ministry I promise you you will never lack in ministry but you got to produce fruit meat of ministry God wants to raise up a generation in this last hour that has fruit that has harvest I believe I'm looking at a group here tonight that God wants to change your mentality and you're going to bring in harvest you're not gonna desire platform you're just gonna go Go after another soul, another soul, another soul. Top, top. Uh, David, too small to fight a giant, but his anointing was too great to stand idle. Your anointing is too great for you to be idle. I go back to Joshua 17, 14. I'm just about done. It's 825. We're still alive. The children of Joseph speak to Joshua. Why have you only given me one lot and only one portion? Don't you see? Uh Kind of a big deal. I'm great. Pastor answers. Well, if you be great and get up into the wood country, And cut down for yourself in the land of the parasites. Those giants, go get them. If Ephraim's too narrow for you. But you don't understand. The hill's not enough for us. And they have chariots of iron. Now, if I was Pastor Joshua, I would have not been a nice guy. I cannot stand entitlement. I, 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 it boils my blood. It is fuego. It's salsa in my sangre. Pride is cochino. Oh, it makes me mad. i I listen, to be a little punk. You want more property? Try this. Mm. <laughs> I have a little mercy because we had to dig and fight giants in South Dakota. But Joshua's a better pastor than me. He says, Joseph, Ephraim, and Massa, you are a great. only are you great, you have great power. And you're not only going to have one lot. I know you are plagued in an hour in your demographic of entitlement. But that feeling of greatness that you have, I'm here to validate that in the name of Jesus. You really are great. And you really do possess great power. And you will not remain. Small. It is not the will of God for you to remain small. It is not the will of God for you to be confined to a small. I believe in these last days God's going to expand building, expand property, expand ministry, expand youth groups. I believe God wants you to have a revelation that you really are great and you really have great power. And it's not His will. That you're the only one getting on that boat in the name of Jesus, a spirit of the eighth person will rise and God will show you how great you are for this great work of God. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? <laughs> He begins... To legitimately prophesy over them. He says listen. The mountain. It's going to be yours. And yes it's a wood country. But you're going to cut it down. I want to encourage you. Do not be afraid. Of adversity. Adversity is your opportunity. To grow in spiritual authority. You can look at the wood country. And say there's no room. There's too much work. It's too much resistance. But I promise you that is the gymnasium for you to flex some spiritual muscle and to grow your gift of faith go ahead advance towards that wood country and start working start working and in that opposition there will be great provision it's going to build the work of God <laughs> Le rotorama, how would you lift your hands? Ha, masondo teka, Herondo Rama Rabatata satata. Herondo roko Racarata Samo Torocolo, Loro, Roro, 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 lo lo Roro, ro 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 Roro, belo not fear the Karatare. You want to know why you're provoked right now in your spirit? It's Psalm 42, 7. It's deep. Calling unto deep. For you to be provoked in this service, that means there's an element in the cavern of your spirit that God's mining after and wanting to bring it out of you. If you're here tonight and you're not moved, it's not in you, I guess. This is not your night. But if you've been moved and stirred and provoked, it's because God's drilling and he sees a diamond in that cavern that no one else sees. And I know it can seem overwhelming because you don't seem to have the gifts, the talents, or the abilities. But God does not need ability. He needs availability. I'm third. I don't know a lot. I don't claim to be the Grand Master Sensei. All I know is I've determined to give myself to the best of my abilities to the kingdom of God, even though I don't have an ever-loving clue what I'm doing. I mean, do you know what you're doing when you're 22 years old, you're married a year, and you're going to dig out of work in South Dakota, a place you've never lived? No. But you simply just step out by faith. And it's easy in that process to complain. I've done my fair share of complaining and moaning and groaning and griping to god but when god began to just kind of put me through his boot camp and begin to smash the pride out of me and the stupidity out of me And I finally, I became pliable in the master's hand. And he took everything out, all those contents out of me. Then I became an empty glove for the master's hand to go inside and start to work. God's just trying to empty you so his hand can go in you like a glove and begin to work whithersoever he will. God wants his hand on your life. He wants to work through you. We began to see revival. The first half of it, the first seven years, most depressing in my life. Many of you probably heard some of those poor me stories. But I promise you, the past few years have been amazing. We have had revival in South Dakota. And then <laughs> last year, one year ago, in May, it was why. I mean, we had people get the Holy Ghost every month. It was seven years before I saw someone get the Holy Ghost in the service I preached, the first seven years. We fought. But man, last year, every month. Poof, poof, poof. Holy ghost, holy ghost, And we just a few weeks ago had a new attendance record, 110. And it may not seem like a big deal to you. But when you're trying to, to cut through the wood country. But something happened. And I, I was debating whether to share this. And we were just praying a moment ago. I feel to do it. I just hope it's not misinterpreted. But I was I was in service. And the preacher's preaching. My good friend, my best friend, I, I love him. He's my brother, Chris Green. And he's preaching. And he shared this story of when he was in Portland, Oregon, grounded because of COVID. And he's watching the riots, the city burned down. And it was supposed to be a summer of revival where he went out and and did all these crusades and tent revivals and all this stuff. And it all got shut down. And he was mad with God and mad at life. He's going through a lot. And then he seen an advertisement for a revival in that city, a tent revival. And he's like, this guy must not have got the memo. The city's burning down. Some big charismatic personality. And so he's like, you know what, I'm going to show up and see... They really do it. So he showed up and there it was. The tent revival, big event. And mass gathering of people. And all of a sudden the rioters start coming to overthrow it. And he says it was like God put a shield around that event. And they could go no further. And then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost poured out. And he saw person after person get filled with with the Holy Ghost. Miracles happen. And the Lord spoke to him and said, they're doing more with less. And you are doing less with more. And when he said that, it's like a spear came down from heaven and hit me and smote my heart. And God said, you're comfortable, Mark. You're comfortable. You're doing less with more. They have less truth, and they're making more sacrifice. And you have more truth, and you're making less sacrifice. And I say, God, I got that entitlement mentality. And God began to deal with me. And I began to obey God in that moment, I did it. Because he told me to go out and start new works in South Dakota. And a missionary friend of mine taught me this, he says, at some point, delayed obedience becomes rebellion. So I said, I'm not gonna delay. And I turned to the associate pastor, I said, you're gonna be the pastor, I'm out of here. I had no idea what was gonna happen, what the next steps were, other than I was just gonna obey the Holy Ghost and not complain about how small South Dakota is. But I want to cut down the wood country. And I want to break into the strongholds and bring out a work. And so we started going to the next town and the next town. And right now to this day, just we just started a few months ago. We've been praying over these towns for months, but we just started breaking ground. In three towns, we have three works right now. I drive 45 miles to one, 45 miles to the other, 45 every week, driving over 300 miles. Why? Because I got to make sure with the amount of truth that God has given me that someone else is not out sacrificing when God's given me more truth you got more truth in your school than all your classmates have you got to make some more sacrifice young person you got to make some more sacrifice dear young adult come on God has given you a precious gift no I had no idea what I'm doing other than just obeying the Holy Ghost and we started praying over this town called Millbank. And finally, when God released us, we went into that, that uh, chamber of commerce. And I told them, hey, we want to we rent something. Just We want to meet for Bible studies. And the lady started asking questions. She was moved. And she goes, well, if you need anything, just let me know. She was like visibly moved. Because I told her, God told me to be in your town, a town of 3, 000, a little over 3,000 people. And I go, well, if you know of any empty properties. She goes, well, there is this. This one church, you got a picture of that church building? Not with the person, just the church building. Not that, the other one. There's a church building. Not that. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Well, picture that building over here as well. (laughs) And it's a nice steeple, too. But God, God moved on that woman to tell us about this building Gave us the contact, I called that person. And that very day, right after that contact, I went into that building, there was a video and it shows the inside of the building. 138 year old, first church in that town. The last standing building by the man the town's named after. And after I finished looking at it, the guy says, what do you think about it? I go, man, it's pretty cool. He says, I'll give it to you free, it's yours. Gave us the deed free. Before we taught one Bible study, God says, I just want you to know that if you obey, I'll provide. If you say yes, I will bless. Just simply step out. You may not know what's going to happen, but God will take care of it. Where's that picture of that group of people? This is a group of people. This is, uh, I think, the second time we went in Bible study. We're working on, in fact, I want to say thank you to this local congregation here. This local congregation sent out some laborers and came to that building and started working on the inside. I don't even know the amount that they poured into free labor and all that stuff. We're so close to beginning to have our first service inside of that building. This has been a giving church. You have blessed a church in Millbank. You have helped birth a rule. revive. There we go. God is bringing about that. that. That seat's about 120. I feel like an upper room experience is about to happen in Milbank, South Dakota. Not because it's my might or my power. It's simply saying, God, I'll do whatever. That's not beneath me to step away from something. I'll do whatever it takes. There's a a picture of a group of people. There's like seven or so. I don't know. As our second Bible study, this dude right here—he's ninety-six years old. Walks, he walked. To the, he drove and then walked into the Bible study. It's absolutely amazing. This man right here in the blue—you got the next picture of him getting in front of the building. The guy in the blue. He's black now, look at that. So all of a sudden, this guy right here, he's the first one. Within one month, we had our first person get baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It didn't take seven years. I believe we are in the 11th hour, and if you will obey God, he will do a quick work. He will do a quick work. He- where's, where's Jordan? He's my witness. You're my witness. If I'm lying, you go ahead and say liar. Because call me out if I'm a false person. All right, accountability. We're driving before he took me to the promised land of Hutchins. Oh my goodness! Whew. So we we he we're driving, and all of a sudden my phone starts ringing, and it has a Millbank number on it. That town, and I answer it, and the guy's not from Millbank. He's from Webster. The other town we're in, we're meeting in a courthouse in a basement to have Bible studies and going to the county jail teaching Bible This guy starts talking. He says, look, I live in Webster. I have a storefront building. I will give it to you. You can have it 4,000 square feet. Do whatever you want with it. And after you renovate it, I will give you the deed after a few years. I'm telling you right now, you can't make this stuff up. You can't use your charisma, your personality. You either got it or you don't. God just needs you to let that gift inside out. If you step out, God will step in and you will see a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Is there someone in this room that wants to do something great for God? You feel him mining after you. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to come to this altar. I want you to lift your voice. God is about to show you that great gift that is within you, but you cannot have pride you cannot have arrogance you cannot have self-promotion you gotta say god i'll just be a servant i'll do whatever you want come on come on if thou be great if thou be great there's no price that's too great to pay if thou be great there's no act of humility that's too great of a price God is looking for someone to humble themselves. God is looking for someone to step out by faith. Come on, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a revival that needs to happen in Texas. There is a new move of the Holy Ghost that's going to happen in this Dallas area. But there's got to be a generation that's not worried about promotion, not worried about being famous. You just want to do something for God. Come on, lift your voice. You don't need me to lay my hand on you. You need God to touch your life right now. You need the hand of God on you right now. Don't wait for a preacher to pray for you. Let the hand of God fall upon you right now. Reach for the hand of God. Reach for the hand of God. That's it. Don't look around. Come on, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus right now. Oh, deep is calling unto deep. The depths of God is reaching for the depths of your spirit right now. Come on. Come on. Hello rondo You can do it. Come on. God gave you the Holy Ghost. You have received power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You are great and you have great power. And you're not going to only have one piece of land. God is going to multiply the work. God is going to multiply the work. God is going to multiply the work. Meata, setoto, metire, Come on, keep pushing yourself. While others are fading out, you stay tapped in right now. Do not let the reduction of sound stop your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's it, come on. Come on, a great God wants to do a great work through you. Menononolo baja. I said, come on, let it break forth right now. Come on, God's mining it out right now. He's extracting that out of you. Stir up that gift. Come on, stir up the gift of God. It wasn't just in your grandmother. It wasn't just in your mother. I'm persuaded it's in you too. I'm persuaded it's in you too. (laughs) Meramaha, menonosa, menorokko.